Today is Thursday, July 13, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. We start off today talking about Luke 24 and why didn't the disciples recognize Jesus on the road to Aramaeus? So it says that it was hidden from them. His identity was hidden from them. So why why could possibly the reasons be? It alludes a little bit to it, but uh, you know we, we kind of have to theorize and read into it because the Bible doesn't outright say. It just says Jesus' identity was hidden from them. So we talk a little bit about that, and then also Mark is it 16 that, that mentions it in like one verse. So we, we talk about that, then quote, problems with the Bible, which really means problems with people who have, quote, problems with the Bible. So as much as we want to live at peace with all people, like Paul says, in gentleness and respect, like First Peter 3, 15, um, you know, love, joy, peace, kindness, meekness, faithfulness, self-control, uh, you know, all, all these type things, the fruits of the Spirit, we want to have, we want to display, um, some people get into tizzy when they recognize disingenuousness or people being like, uh, you know, deceptive or whatever the reason. Um, so we try to entertain it. But one such guy happens and it's like just machine gunning questions we talk about for a little bit after he's gone. And uh, he starts off just with and he's been here before. Like he seems like a pretty mild mannered guy. But this time, for whatever reason, something just struck a chord between him and some other people. But he was asking questions. And as soon as someone would like kind of shut him down, not with like an I think answer, but like a. I mean, there was some of that too, so pay attention. But I mean, toward the end, he starts asking about like archaeological digs and sites and uh, different cities and locales of regions uh, uh, in the area. And you know, one guy's like, "Well, here, have you read this? Have you read this? Like, or are you just googling something and reading like one scholar? Maybe his name is this." And it's like as if he pulled his card and just showed it to him um, instead of saying, "That's a good point, sir. I'll consider that." Or, "Yes, I was only looking at one source. Um, you're right." Um, instead of having a continued conversation about that point that clearly he, he just got confronted right on his face, um, he just starts asking other questions and trying to move, move, it's not even move the goalpost, he's moving the entire arguments. So it's just machine gunning one after the other. It's like, how can we have a conversation with this? Like, it's fine, but this is of no benefit to you. I mean, maybe someone would like to m know, know more about the answer and go a little deeper in the discussion. So if we just give an answer, conf like, you're confronted, you can't go anywhere else. You're like, oh, crap, I guess I'm wrong. And instead of, like, seeming foolish or being humble or admitting something and then moving on, and it's not like we're always perfect. We're wrong plenty. Um, about, like, archaeology or history or science stuff. Like, you know, when, when you know better, do better. So if someone presents us evidence... Well, great. Let's make make new de decisions. So we need to have the humility to change our minds when confronted with evidence. And I'm not talking about spirituality or faith-based things or stuff like that. I mean, you know, there is evidence. Evidence can be subjective. That's fine. But, I mean, when it's just something that's so verifiable, so proven in your face, like, you know, the city of Dan or whatever they were talking about that's out of my playing field, but these two, at least purported, to be well-versed in it. We learned really quickly that one guy wasn't. He was just throwing an argument to, you know, catch the dumb Christians. Well, there was a smart Christian that's like, well, have you read this or are you just doing this? And instead of making, oh, you're right. Well, do you have any more sources I could read? Maybe I'll make a new decision. No one's saying, like, if he admits he's wrong, he's got to admit God's real. We're not even talking about God. We're talking about a city mentioned in the Bible thousands of years ago. So I think it's good to have a little humility all around. Um, so I don't know, is that like your, your lesson, life lesson for the day or whatever that you hear at the end of talk shows? Anyway, then we talk about how, how di the difficulties that come with sharing the gospel online, because by the time people come to, come to the internet and they find religious discussion rooms and they want to be on stage and speak, I mean, we try to roll at the red carpet and be like, yes, ask your question. You don't need to know anything. Just ask us stuff. Um, so I mean, we go as far as we can to get people who are seeking and sincere, but usually, People have their mind made up 
or have a bone to grind with Christianity or the God they think doesn't exist too. Um, so, so there's not a lot of room to change people's minds um, there because uh, most of their minds are already made up. So we, we talk about how we may never know the amount of people, which hopefully is, is a lot, hopefully it's a couple, um, you know, who hear the gospel, who hear the answers to these questions, even if the person on stage is not sincere and doesn't care about the answer, um, we still entertain them and ask, answer the questions, even if we think they're really bad or dishonest or trolling, uh, trolling questions, just because surely someone out there is like, well, you know, this guy is totally disingenuous. I see that a mile away. But, I mean, he did ask a question that I'd like to know the answer to. So can you just answer it, Christians? So we do it for their benefit, and who knows? Maybe people have heard the gospel, have prayed to this God, have found this God, Jesus, um, hopefully because of some stuff that's been shared in the Ask a Christian group. So there's not a lot of thank you cards or stuff like that or postcards from heaven that we may get to, to be able to quantify this stuff, but we don't need to. Like, our job is, hey, you have this faith. Jesus says tell people, share the gospel, how they can have eternal life, through believing the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, repent, believe the gospel. Ask him to make you born again, forgive you, save you, and help you to just live like him, and you will do that. You'll get eternal life, and congratulations. God himself will live in you. The Holy Spirit will live with you, guide you, and lead you in the way you should go. So that's our job, regardless of if we ever know how many people heard that message and you know reached out and took that message to heart or how many didn't, or how many will remember it in 20 years from now because they're a frequent listener, um, they'll think, oh, no, my world's falling apart, and, you know, maybe I have a, uh, my end is near because uh, they're, like, ancient or something and about to die. Um, oh, I wonder about that Christian God. I don't know. I don't really remember anything. Well, hopefully they've heard the gospel enough in these rooms and these discussions that whether or not they've believed it all these years, it'll be ingrained in them. So they're like, oh, you know what? I should... I, I remember what those Christians said, like, you know, a million years ago. Maybe I should pray to Jesus. Maybe I should exercise a little faith and call out to the name of the Lord. Um, so anyways, then they won't need to find a, a pastor or maybe they don't have a Bible or something to do it, but they'll remember it because they've heard it so darn much. So anyways, that wasn't supposed to be a, a tangent, but I guess it was. Anyway, so by the way, if you wonder what our goal and mission is, that's it. It's not, to not just to have intellectual sparring, debates, and debacles. Uh, there's plenty of that, and like yelling and screaming about, you know, which God is right and how you're all dumb who believe in any God. Uh, but it really is to share what we believe and why we believe it from the, the core, the basic, the foundation of Christianity. So while we talk about all manner of ridiculous nonsense and deep theology and deep philosophical conversations like yesterday, uh, my brain's still bleeding, um, this is ultimately the key point we try to bring everything back to is eternal life in Jesus. That is all that ultimately matters. So enjoy this podcast, share the links, check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon, free to read with a Kindle Unlimited subscription. Check out the Ask a Christian store, grab a t-shirt, help us, su uh, help support us in sharing this message that we just talked about to the world of people on the internet. It is a tough nut to crack, but hopefully there are lots of people listening that are a, a little more, um, good soil and and maybe are questioning or are seeking or are searching if so these are the answers they get so if you support that and if you support those answers jesus is the way or if you just want to entertain good civil dialogue and conversation that's not yelling and screaming even though maybe we tiptoe in that sometimes uh yeah click on the link donate support us financially or join us live and contribute with your own lovely voice and we'll see you next time morning nate um hey how's it going oh uh, good how are you Okay, so my question is, why did, um, okay, so 
after the crucifixion, why did the disciples act like, um, like they don't recognize Jesus well? Like what happened to him that they don't, that they're not piecing it together that it's him or that he looks different? So I think in one of the gospels in the story, I think it says, um, I don't want to, I don't want to misspeak. Uh, I, there may be something that says like Jesus, like it, like alludes to Jesus intentionally, like kind of, you know, didn't let them know who he was for a while. So like, who knows whether it was like very natural, like he was wearing his cloak up a little too tight and they couldn't see his face or maybe he like, you know, intentionally kind of like made himself look different, uh, look different. I, I don't remember. I think there may be something in one of the accounts that for a time, like when he's like, oh, you know, when he's asking questions, he's like, oh, what are you talking about? Why are you so glum? What, why are you so down friend? Like that type of thing. And, and who knows, like maybe, to, you know, so we could see their reaction or see how they react or see what they're really feeling for our benefit thousands of years later. Um, I, I don't think I'm completely wrong about that. But anyways, so we don't know. We're just told for a time they didn't immediately recognize him. So it could have been for any any number of reasons from him intentionally not letting them know who he is to maybe he's just like wearing his hood up a little too tight for a while when he, they just think he's a, a fellow traveler. Oh, okay, so like maybe it would have, for the reader, it would have added to their faith or... Or for them, it would have added to their faith or something. Well, I don't know if we, I don't know if I can, you want to bear with me while I do four accounts, but let's at least do one. Let's just bring up one of these accounts and let's see. All right, let's find out. So how's your morning going while we wait? Oh, good, good. Yeah, I saw <laughs> I saw you in here, but I was like, why is this room so small? There's usually tons of people in here. Oh yeah, everyone's like, you know, early bird gets the worm. We have lots of late worms or people who birds who aren't getting worms. I don't know. I, I just started like five minutes ago, so it'll take people a little bit to get here. Um, okay, let's see. It's in. It's in Luke. Is Luke the only account? Okay, so we have Luke, we have Mark. Okay, so it's not a whole lot of verses. Okay, so let's check out Luke 24. I don't I don't recall it actually being a verse. It's like the tone of the of the event where it changed, you know. Like I don't recall them saying something specific, but it's it's Oh, no, later. that's what I, Yeah, that's yeah. why I'm trying to find the thing. We're just going to read the whole the whole context. Okay, so Luke 24 from verse so this whole thing happens from <laughs> verse 13 to 35 all right we'll see if we can narrow it down a little bit okay so starting at verse 13 okay on the road to Emmaus so that very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem and they were walking and talking with each other about all these things that happened the crucifixion resurrection um, while they were talking and discussing uh, together Jesus himself drew near and went with them but their eyes were kept from recognizing him so it doesn't say why. So, I mean, it, se I mean, it seems like there's divine implications, like their eyes were kept from recognizing. Uh, let, let's see why, maybe. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk as they stood still uh, looking sad? One of them named uh, Cleopas answered him and said, you're the only visitor to Jerusalem 
are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who is a prophet, uh, mighty indeed, and word before God and the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned and death. But he, okay, let's skip a little bit. Um, so he hoped, uh, we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, besides all these, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our company amazed us. They were at the tomb. When they didn't find his body, they came back saying he had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some uh, went to the tomb and found it just as the women said. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures uh, the things concerning himself. Goodness, this is long. So they drew near to the village. Um, he acted as if he were going to go farther. They urged him to stay, saying, stay with us, for it is evening and the day is now spent. He went with them to stay. Uh, when he was at the table, he took the bread and blessed it and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened. So that, I mean, it could almost be like a Saul thing, but let's see. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did our hearts not burn with us? So like they knew, I mean, I'm my, my armchair commentary on this is this has got to be kind of like a hearken back to when Jesus further harkens back to the prophet Isaiah, um, maybe to a much lesser way, because obviously these people are saved. They're, they have eternal life. They're his disciples. But like when Isaiah says, you know, if, uh, seeing they don't, uh, having eyes, they don't see and having ears, they don't hear. Otherwise these people's hearts would be open that like repent and turn and they would heal them. So, I, I mean, it's, it seems like a parallel, whether it's supposed to be there or not. I mean, you, you can see a parallel from that. Um, Let's read the one in Mark real fast. I don't think that was nearly as long. Who, who was? And they rose. Wait, who were the people? Um, who were the people talking at, at the part that you read? Uh, hang on, I'm almost done reading to verse 35, and then then I'll go back. And they rose the same hour and returned, and they found the eleven, uh, those who were with him together, saying, "The Lord is risen indeed," and appeared to Simon. So there's one is Simon, the other was Cleophas or whatever. So at least those two. Then they told him what happened. And he was known to them breaking the bread. Okay, so it looks like Simon and the other guy, Cleophas. Cephas, man. Is that another word for C-L-E-O-P-A-S? Okay, great. Um, okay, and then hang on. Mark, uh, if you can't figure out what we're talking about, Chris, we'll catch you up in a minute. <laughs> um, okay, Mark. Oh, Mark is super quick. Mark 16, verse 12. Mark 16, verse 12. Okay, oh, so uh, going back a little bit, it says, Jesus appears to Mary. Uh, now is the first day of the week. He appeared to Mary Magdalene, who didn't cast out the seven demons. She went and told them about the resurrection and what happened. But when they heard uh, that he was alive and that he had been seen by her, they would not believe it. Um, and then after these things, he appeared in another form to two of them, Cephas, slash Cleopas, um, and Simon, so those two in Luke, um, as they were walking to the country, and they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. So anyway, Chris, uh, the question was, actually, what was the question? Was it why was Jesus hidden? Like, what was the point no. of Jesus, like, not immediately revealing himself? No, my question was, was, uh, was why were they, why, why were they not um, recognizing him? Why, what, like, how, how do you look? Do you look different or, or what was the disconnect there? Yeah. And I mean, if we don't want to stray from what the Bible says, let's see. Verse 16, Luke 24, verse 16. 
but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So we can start there, right? So without without interpreting at all, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So is that like a divine reason? Um, is it because they were, I don't know, just, just so distraught in their grief? But I mean, it has to be some sort of like divine hiddenness, not in that, not in that way, Chris. Because it says they still wouldn't believe. And even in Mark 16, we just read, like even after Peter told them, it says they they still didn't believe. And then Jesus has to show up again later with Thomas, and then Thomas believes. What's your thoughts on that, Chris or Tyler? Why didn't they recognize Jesus when he first shows up to him on the road? Yeah. Um, to be honest, uh, outside of what the scripture says, it seems just kind of like a mystery. Like it just tells us that we're kept from seeing him, but we don't know about what it means. I've heard some people say like, like God may have like temporarily hardened their hearts in some respect or um, kind of like analogous to how you know Paul had scales over his eyes he couldn't see and stuff like that but I don't really I don't really know I don't think the scripture like makes any definitive statement I think it's kind of up to however you want to interpret how that went well, I mean that's kind of I mean, that's kind of how I see it, at least. Like, I mean, who who knows if it's right or how much we're reading into it, but beyond what the Bible says, like, it was hidden from them or it was kept hidden. Um, yeah, like a Paul and the scales falling off his eyes moment. Here comes Sean to say something. Or, like, I even thought maybe, like, kind of like the, the uh, prophecy in Isaiah. Like, you know, having eyes they don't see, having ears. And, uh, of course, you know, we, we know it's not exact representation because it's talking about these people who are, are not, saved but we know the disciples they already believe and are given eternal life so i mean i'm going somewhere between that what what you know me and tyler said there and for our benefit two thousand years from now so when people have doubts or have like stumbles in their faith and they're like you know i don't know this is hard or i don't know like i wish i was back in jesus day because that would have never happened and then maybe jesus having forethought was like um oh well here check out this this uh, this totally happened to the people who lived with me for like years and, you know, knew I was the son of God and all these other things. So maybe it's for that benefit. Who's to say exactly? Sean, do you have more insight on this? As I, as I think about it, you got two kinds of people, saved and unsaved. That's it. Saved are the ones who have put their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Unsaved are those who have it, and that's just the bottom line. There's, there's no, there is no gray area. Um, are we, are we talking about the same thing? I think so. <laughs> I hope so. The question yeah. was, why was it? Why didn't the disciples recognize uh, Jesus on the road to Emmaus when he was walking with them, and they, they didn't recognize him? That was the question. Well, he, well, well think about it. He's, he's in his, he's. Basically, in his form, and his face is hidden, and and it, it does. Bible doesn't say that he why he did it, but when we look at that passage in Luke, it it they don't recognize him until he's ready to go, because they make the statement, "Did our hearts not burn?" As he opened the scriptures up to us. So 
we're giving chat 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 gpt take a stab at this why didn't his The All right, let's see what the devil has to say. Um, anyways, I mean, I, I don't think these are wrong. So, Zanara, is that how you say your name? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Zoo. Yeah, so, sorry to disappoint you. There's not a concrete answer beyond what the Bible says. But, I mean, you know, I mean, halfway is because we don't want to pronounce something that could be wrong. But, I mean, as far as theories go, I, I think these are all perfectly plausible. So, I mean, it's not like the Bible says this is why. But, I don't know. Let's see if ChatGPT is going to one-up the Bible right here. Um, disbelief and grief. The disciples were mourning Jesus' death and might not have expected to see him alive again. The grief and confusion could have caused their ability to recognize him, as they may have perceived his resurrection as improbable or even impossible. Changed appearance. It's possible that Jesus' post-resurrection body has some differences or a glorified form uh, that made it difficult for the disciples to recognize him immediately. The Gospel of Luke, for instance, mentioned that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Yep, got that. Thanks. Uh, veiled identity. Jesus deliberately concealed his identity at first, choosing not to reveal himself immediately. He engaged the disciples in conversation and allowed them to share their perspectives, providing an opportunity for their faith and understanding to grow before revealing himself. Hey, chat GPT, you're a pretty good Christian. Um, it could be. Uh, two more. Spiritual perception. The disciples' ability to recognize Jesus may have been hindered until a particular moment or sign occurred. Uh, in the case of the Emmaus encounter, it was during the breaking of bread their eyes were open and they recognized him. This suggests that spiritual revelation played a pole, uh, role in their recognition and divine purpose. God may have allowed the disciples not to recognize Jesus immediately for a specific purpose. It allowed Jesus to teach them, strengthen their faith, and demonstrate the reality of his resurrection gradually. Their eventual recognition uh, served as a transformative moment that deepened their understanding and faith. Couldn't have said it better ourselves. So. All of those. <laughs> By the way, keep coming here and asking us. Don't ask ChatGPT. <laughs> no. <laughs> no um, so you, you said that after after they ate the bread or whatever, that was when their eyes were opened, right? Uh, yeah, at, the, at yeah. the end of that part in Luke, that's when Jesus breaks the bread and those two people's eyes are opened. But then they go back and tell the other people and then they didn't believe. Do you think that that's symbolic like because of the communion, like the the body and the blood of christ huh he says a hundred percent okay so he may not be sure about the other stuff but he is sure about this one <laughs> is that fair chris yeah i mean the breaking of the bread and the giving me the wine i've been reading a lot about this topic lately too so because would that have been the moment that they like received the Holy Spirit technically? Because that would have been their first communion after he passed. Well, no, that was an axe. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, what we would say is that their eyes were simply opened at that moment, and whether it's a moment of spiritual hiddenness or if it's a moment of um, you know, Jesus altering his appearance in his glorified state, we just don't know. The scripture doesn't say. It just says that when he broke the bread at that moment, their eyes were opened and then he disappeared. That's the other bit is like he literally vanished in front of their eyes. Oh, he did. I didn't, I didn't know that part. Oh, the part that says he uh, vanished right after like, yeah, let's, let me get back there. It's in the very last thing on Luke, uh, right? 2431. Am I back in Mark? No, 2431. 
Yeah, uh, so we went to stay with him. While he was at the table, we took the bread, blessed it, and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized him. And in that same sentence, the same verse. So, and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And then, but then uh, they go in. I mean, here's a little bit of a clue. I mean, they said to each other, did our hearts not burn with us while we, he talked with us on the road? So, and while he opened up the scriptures. So, I mean, it seems like, you know, they're, they're kind of like kicking themselves because they're like, ah, so, we, we knew it, right? Like we, we, we knew this, but, but we missed it. Like, like one of those things, it's like, you, you just know uh, something's up, but you don't, ex- you can't quite put your finger on it. And they're like, ah, and then after it happens, they're like, of course we knew this. Why didn't we get it? Okay, that's pretty helpful. All right, thanks, you guys. Well, sure. And just to be clear, it doesn't mean that he miraculously vanished. It could just be that he left. Like it doesn't, it doesn't denote like a miraculous vanishing. It just says he vanished from their sight. Like it could be like he'd be like, all right, cool, here's your bread, peace out. You know, we, we don't know. You know, I'm going to say as much as you know about the other thing. I'm mostly. Uh, to that level, no, about, I'm going to say vanish means vanish. Like, uh, the same way he, like, walked through a wall. If you would say, well, you know, he says he walked through a wall. It could have been a wall that, you know, had a door cut out in it with the handle. Um, uh, so, I mean, I'm I'm more on the side of vanished means poof than walking through a wall means, um, you know, walking through a wall with a human-sized cutout in it. Um, anyway, that's just my, we don't know, right? So, we don't know. But when it says vanish, I mean, I think it would say like, you know, and then he took his leave or and then he got up and walked away or something other than like, you know, the very spooky, like, poof. Uh, is that fair, Chris, or absolutely not? No, no. I mean, like I said, we just don't know. I mean, like, there's, there's stuff that's ambiguous that we just don't know. Maybe Hebrew is related, Jason, but you know, Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty. <laughs> Touche, pussycat. But anyway, we was talking about the Hebrew Israelites last night. Uh, and we find that we've got three kinds of Hebrew Israelites. We've got the one West Camp, you know, the ones cussing folk out, having folk with their nasty boots and saying that white people are going to be slaves in the kingdom. And they're going to get whooped like um, the black slaves did in from 1619 to 1865. Then you've got the moderate section of Hebrew Israelites, and they are either going to be binatarian uh, or or trinitarian. They do not they do not deny the virgin birth. The third section is what we will call uh, they basically just like believe just like Messianic Jews would we would say. Uh, and everything they say is Christian. Everything they do and teach is Christian. So when we talk about these Hebrew Israelites, make we got to make sure which one we distinguish. Because I don't like 
putting putting everybody in a box. Because everybody ain't gonna fit in the box. Like you can't put God in the box. I know people have tried, but we can't do that. He just won't fit. If if the earth is his foot, if the heaven is his throne, earth is his footstool. <laughs> he not gonna fit. Uh, I was um I was trying to answer email. I I wasn't totally listening. Are you trying to say there are some people who say they're Hebrew Israelites who are actual Christians, like the way yes. you and I are Christians? Yeah. There, yeah, I, I can say you know, like I, well, I know I know of I know of two that I know of personally. One is um Elder Joseph Green, he lives in Virginia, and another one's the sisters out in California. So are you uh, saying like uh, whenever you're like, Hi, my name's Nate, I'm a Christian, would they say, mm-hmm. Hi, my name's my name's whatever, I'm a Hebrew Israelite. Like is that how the introductions are to go? Well well yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like hi, I like like um Elder Green, for example, out of um out of uh Virginia. The name of his church is Beth Yeshua. Well, I, mean, I, I, I don't see how that would be a problem, though, because, I mean, if any of these people who, like, you know, I mean, it may say, like, you know, follower of the Most High or follower of Yah or something in their profile, and we're mm-hmm. just like, okay, Hebrew is right. That's what, that's what we're about to talk to. And if we're like, so, I mean, if they, I mean, let's just assume they'd immediately, like, tell us to go read something in Isaiah. But um, mm-hmm. if they're like, what do you, if we're like, okay, well, what do you think about Jesus? And they're like, oh, he's our Lord and Savior. Like, oh, okay, do you think the virgin birth happened? Yeah. Do you think he, he died and rose again? Yeah. Do you think he's God? Yeah. I'd be like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I yeah. was wrong, even though your profile basically said Hebrew is right. Like, I mean, call yourself yeah. a potato, but you're a Christian. Like, you're a follower yeah. of Christ. Except, yeah. you know, the reason we kind of have this thing in our mouth is because, in my experience, <laughs> not one time has that ever happened. Uh, but, I mean, if it did, I'd be like, sure, welcome to, you know, I mean, I guess not welcome. I guess we're all in the family of God. Yeah. So, good to meet you. <laughs> so, when that happens, I'll let you know. Like I said, I only know two. Yeah, it's happened to me. I only know of two that I've met that I can actually say are Christian. They Trinitarian and everything. The other one is the other one. Her name is Veronica Pearson. <laughs> and the only reason I know she's a, her, her of her Christian identity is because of where she came out of. She comes from the Church of God in Christ, and I know what they teach. Because <laughs> I preach my like, first wait, message you, in the Church of God in Christ. <laughs> is, is that like Malik Church of God, or is Church of God in Christ different? Or is that the same Church thing? of God in Christ uh, is the largest um, African-American Pentecostal church. So is that like affiliated with like the Church of God, or is the Church no, of God no, in Christ no, different? No, no, okay, no, so no, 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 no. No, it's, it's Church of God in Christ. The okay, founder, yeah, yeah, I just, the, yeah. the first, the, the founder is Charles Harrison Mason. Well, I see Chris and uh, Max are having a conversation in chat. I thought I'd bring it over, over to voice. So is it something about who wrote the Bible, the Bible's wrong, or who wrote the Bible, I'm open to persuasion? Is that... I, think he's, I think he's just asking questions. Okay. Well, Max, are you speaking, Max? Yeah, I can speak. Yeah, go ahead. I I was just, like, interested because, like, I don't know, and, you know, it's sort of, like, hard to find out. 
about who wrote the Bible? Yeah. Uh, Chris, are you now a mute? You can only you can only type. <laughs> I mean, I'll give me a second. I'm just using the. Don't get robbed. Look in those little mirrors. I mean, Sean's got this. Well, I mean, I don't know how far you guys run. It was your conversation, but I mean, you know, in short, I, be, I mean, I can't keep up with chat. I'm doing other stuff. But I mean, you know, we believe the Bible was written by lots of people over lots of time, like thousands of years, and it was directly inspired by the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, I guess. I'm, I mean, I'm coming in like partway of a conversation. I just pulled you guys over here so you could have it in voice. But yeah, Max, is that, have you got past that part yet? Like, surely you have, right? Like, we believe that the Holy Spirit, like, inspired these people to write it. So who wrote the Bible? Lots of people under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I, I think I know that, like, Christians generally think that, yeah. Yeah, that makes okay, sense. Okay, well, so what was um, another question you had about that or whatever? Uh, oh, yeah, I also asked, like, has has it ever been changed? But Chris already answered that in the, in the chat. Okay, Sean, you have anything to add <laughs> about the authorship of the Bible? Uh, well, the Bible declares that men God is the author. You know, the men are like um, the men who write it are like stenographers. Uh, are like. Um, secretaries they take they, they took the dictation from the holy spirit and they wrote as they were inspired to write this is what this is what the scriptures teach um it was written oh like i said like it's been stated it's written over thousands of, it's written over thousands of years uh moses job Joshua, uh, Ezra, Jeremiah, through his scribe Baruch, uh, the prophets, that covers about four, uh, covers like about 4,000 years, and then Christ comes on the scene, and that covers the first 90 years, 90, uh, first. 90 years when we get to the New Testament, 90, some say 100 years of the first, it will recover the first century of uh, Christianity. So all of you, uh, you, one would say we have like 40, anywhere a good estimate would be 4,000 years of, of uh, written testimony. As it was presented in a court of law, as written testimony. Thank you. Cheers. Hey, Mike. Well, I, I thought that would take a little longer, but I guess if we cleared up that, who wrote the Bible? Um, what's up, Michael? Oh, not too much. Um, yeah, I mean, I what I heard was somewhere around, you know, something like 40 authors and 
between, I think the last number I heard from, uh, from a biblical scholar was somewhere between 2,700 and 3,200 years, but whatever, doesn't matter much. I, I mean, I mean, a lot of the Bible is, you know, and this is my current viewpoint from my, my understanding now, a lot of the books of the Bible are attributed to people. Um, and we don't actually, there's, there are books of the Bible and, you know, <laughs> here comes a grenade. Uh, like, for example, the Gospels are completely anonymous. We have no idea who wrote them. Um, but, and, and that's that's not my opinion. That's from biblical scholars' opinion. Uh, and yes, Chris, liberal scholars, but scholars nonetheless. <clears throat> People with lots of letters after their name who studied this stuff for years. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it almost doesn't, but in some ways it almost doesn't matter. Um, like, it wouldn't matter. You, you could easily say it wouldn't matter who wrote it if what, if what it contained was true, um, you could make that argument. Um, unfortunately, we a lot of the stuff it contains, we also know, we know and can show are not even possible, but absolutely impossible, you know, like a global flood. Um, you know, we know the Exodus never happened. Like there's, there's no archaeological evidence whatsoever to support the Exodus as it's written in the Bible. Um, and so... Those are those are where some of the problems come in from from my humble opinion. But on another note, um, <clears throat> as a follow up to people who would have listened to yesterday's uh, yesterday's show, Nate, and for anybody who's going to listen to today's uh, subsequently, um, Chris sent me a link to a guy named Bodie Bauckham, and uh, I watched the video that he sent me yesterday. And while I disagreed with massive swaths of what it was that he said, um, Chris and I came to the opinion that he's at minimum, a very charismatic speaker. And I don't mean charismatic as in the speaking in tongues. I mean charismatic in as, as in he's uh, a compelling speaker. <laughs> that's that's kind of, <clears throat> you know, that's where I borrow your plus hat, five, plus hat five hat of charitability. That would be like me being like, well, well, I disagree with, you know, Satan. He's a really good tempter. <laughs> Yeah, and it's interesting. Like I, I uh, Nate, your your PTR today is funny. Um, I think actually, um, I I have seen the polar opposite of that. Uh, like just you know, flip around the Bible and flip around um, your you know, like uh, your feelings with the with the Bible, and flip those around. And I've seen like the facts uh, don't care about your faith or something catchy. Like yeah, that. oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've I've seen virtually the polar opposite. I just thought it was was kind of funny. We're taking the meme back. Uh, no, I think us, I, take us, it may take us longer on the rainbow, but rainbow, but we're taking this meme back. <laughs> I think it was actually, I think it was actually quote unquote yours first. I think the, I think the, no. uh, I think, um, secularists or atheists, um, were the ones who took it and turned it around. I think I, I, the one I saw first was, was yours. Uh, the other one I saw later was, was, was the different ones. Well, welcome Steph. Good morning. I just came up to say that saying there's no archaeological evidence for the Exodus is very different from saying oh, really? the Exodus never happened. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a whole religion that would disagree strongly with that. Yeah. I'm not talking about Christianity. Yeah, and that's, and, and that, and that's fair to say. Uh, and, and again, it, it, it seems to me that, um, like, like, the reason I believe it didn't happen is because, or at least, like, and it's funny, I was talking to Kip Davis, who's a biblical scholar, expert in the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, 
one of the things he was talking about was why why the Exodus story is so problematic is because of the lack of archaeological evidence. And when you look at the biblical story as it is told, the first problem is um, the way the biblical story is told, it would represent a greater population than even existed in the area at that time. Um, and two, wandering in the desert for 40 years, you would expect to find remnants of the journey and of the people who made that journey, and that doesn't exist. Well, there's kind of, <laughs> I wouldn't normally do this, except since you, you kind of agree, uh, you know, because it doesn't matter, that, um, you know, if God created the earth and everything else, then literally nothing else is a problem. So um, God magically hid everything because it makes you have more faith. Uh, I, I get that, that as, re, as ridiculous as that sounds, I mean, you know, it could happen. Who's to say? So, I mean, either there is evidence that we haven't found yet or, you know, something else naturally happened. Maybe there's an earthquake. Maybe the earth swallowed up. I mean, if you believe the Bible, you know, the earth opened up quite a bit um, and swallowed people. So, you know, maybe something like that happened. Maybe, I don't know, uh, some other natural explanation or I don't know. Maybe it's as simple as like God did it for some other reason. Maybe to make people have more faith or harden people's hearts. Who knows? Of course. Of course. Yeah, like and, you know, and we've we've had that, you know, we've had that, you know, tangential discussion many times. Right. If the things you believe are true, then everything, then every single solitary story in the Bible is absolutely trivial. Granted, right? But it's, it's, and it's kind of funny. It makes me, it's like, Nate, you're, you're sounding a lot like a presuppositionalist at that point, though. Well, yeah, but I am. I just think the presuppositional argument is bad because, you know, if you're going to convince people to believe there's a God in the Bible's true, just skip all that and just be like, all right, repent, believe the gospel. Congratulations, you're a Christian. I mean, so, I mean, yeah, I'm a, I, mean, I, I believe this stuff. Like, I didn't even, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree it's presuppositional stuff because I happen to already believe it. So it's, it's easy. I just think it's a bad argument to bring to people who don't believe it because you're basically asking them to believe two things that if they could believe that, just skip all that and just go straight to Jesus. Be like, all right, be a Christian. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Oh, and on, the, on this, uh, this thread... I was listening to a very interesting argument. Are any of you familiar with a guy named Tom Jump or T Jump? He goes by. Oh, that's hilarious! It's yeah. definitely not going to be that one. But I, I uh, one of my best friends in high school is named Tom Jump. <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, I seriously not uh, doubt it's this guy though. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, he had a, a chat with um, a biblical presuppositionalist named uh, Eli uh, Eli Iala, I think is his name. Uh, really, really good chat. Search it out on YouTube. It's a really, really interesting. Uh, discussion about presuppositional things. Is Steph just still on a phone? Once someone gets a phone call, like their icon saying they're on a phone never goes away. No, I'm not. Uh, you were saying something before you got that phone call, I think? You didn't hear something? or? Uh, no, I was listening to Michael's response, but then I missed it. Okay. What's up, Freeman? Hey, what's up? Um, I'm good. I'm good. Can I ask Michael a question? If I, if you don't want me to, that's fine. Now nah, go ahead. Let's play. Ask an atheist. Michael, are you open to a question? <laughs> Always. I'm an open book. Okay, cool. So like, I'm trying to get your thought process on what you just said. So, you know, the tell Dan Steele, right? Oh no, I'm, I'm not sorry. Could you repeat that? I don't, but I don't think I'm familiar with it. Uh, the tell Dan Steele. It's like a, um, a Canaanite inscription that was found. It's the only 
extra biblical archaeological archaeological reference to the house of David or King David, right? So before that that steel was found, what what would you say would have been the best way someone could have come to believe that a historical figure named King David existed? And would they be right or wrong to believe he existed before the steel was found? Um, I'm not sure, but it's interesting. Can you put that, uh, like maybe send me a back channel message with that, the name of that? Because uh, I've recently um, made friends with, uh, as I mentioned before, a guy named Kip Davis, uh, who's a biblical scholar. Um, and uh, so I'd be curious to see uh, what, what he knows about that. And I, but I think it, would, it might be fair to say, because I'm really not, I don't know what you're referring to. So you're saying, you're telling it to me for the first time. I've never heard it before now. Um, it might be fair to say that the Bible might be the only reference point. Right, right. And it's not a gotcha question. I just wonder how people work through these things, because I think you bring up a fair point, right? Like uh, for the skeptic, if uh, if there's no evidence of something from the natural processes we have, one would be inclined to say, oh, well, it didn't happen. But then it's kind of a waiting game if, if that does come up. And I wonder what people do. Do they then shift to maybe some other thing that hasn't been found and say, well, this story didn't happen? Or do they withhold making a conclusion? Well, yeah, That's why but, I think like uh, faith is, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a very important aspect of going through these things that we have some archaeological evidence for and others we don't. Right. It's critical from a it's critical from a Christian perspective. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right. Sure. So, like you know, that's that's kind of in your rule book. You have to have faith. Um, right. But what I'm asking then is, Michael, do you think that it needs to be, from your perspective, an all or none proposition, or is it something that you step through as the evidence presents itself, if it ever does? All or nothing in what respect? Like, so, for instance, to tell Dan Steele before it existed, maybe someone who was a biblical scholar would say, well, the King David is a mythological figure. And then when it comes into existence, they say, oh, he's real. But then they don't move on from that. So, like, uh, for like me, this, like, when yeah, I, I think I know. Like, yeah. this is clearly about the Exodus. How you said there's no evidence, which, I mean, people would dispute probably. Um, but how you said there's no evidence for that. Like, before this, people would have said there's no evidence for King David. And now there sure. is, and they're like, yeah. oh, well, oops. So maybe tomorrow they're like, oh my gosh, we've uncovered everything from the Exodus. It totally happened. Of course, and that would be the time that you would change your mind. Sure. So, we're, yeah. I mean, were you someone who, and I mean, I, I, I just can't imagine people wouldn't dispute, like, you know, evidence for the Exodus. Um, I mean, that's not something I, I study or my people came from, but I mean, there's got to be something out there, you know? Let's go to a resonant oracle. Yeah, and I only brought it up because it's like, okay, so I'm a Christian, right? So I believe, obviously, King David was a real human being that existed off this earth, right? I don't think that, like, the tell Dan Steele, when it came to exist, I went, ooh, I can now relax because we have proof, you know? I had I had a solid foundation, I felt, before it came to be the tell Dan Steele than when it came to be. I think it was more helpful for others who were on the fence. And, and that's why I was just asking like, what, what Michael's methodology was in that respect. Sure, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's cool. And so I, I think for me, like if I can walk you through kind of where, like from my perspective. So as a former Christian, I used to, I believe these things were true. I believe the Bible was true as written. 
And then when I started unraveling or some of the things started, I won't say unraveling, I'll say as the things started to unravel for me, I started to question more. And, you know, there were gaps in my faith and I eventually lost my faith, right? So then when I started questioning, well, it's like, well, if I'm questioning one thing, then, you know, it's like, if this is supposed to be the inspired word of the creator of all things, then it should just, it should be true as written. And, you know, I don't believe these things anymore. And I'm, you know, see how these things aren't, you know, aren't possible anymore. And so that's how, probably that's how I came to where I am. And for you, it makes, it makes perfect sense that you had the belief. And then when this other piece of evidence came up, it bolstered your faith. makes perfect sense. Well, just an addendum there. I, I, I wouldn't use the word bolstered. Again, it was, it was like, I would actually be ashamed. I think if I had to breathe a sigh of relief because it was found because like, then that means that like my faith was based on something external to the book, right? Presupposition being what it is. But what I'm asking for you is when you went through your experience, right? Where you said that you uh, left the faith, right? Did it become that everything in the Bible, because these gaps were there, then the entire Bible somehow is not really true to you? Or I'm just trying to understand what you mean when you say it's no longer valid. Sure. Yeah. Like, I think it would be very problematic to say that there is nothing within the Bible that has any historical truth to it. Um, and I'm, as someone who's not a historian, I wouldn't be so pompous as to make a claim like that. But the supernatural stuff, for sure, we can look at that and say, yeah, you know what? This stuff is, this stuff is, not, this stuff is not true, right? We have no way whatsoever of testing or confirming the supernatural. We are blocked from it in every way, shape, and form. People who say otherwise, they're making it up. Um, and so those are the things that I would say, you know, we, we don't have the capacity to, to, to test these things. And that's why it doesn't hold any, that's why it doesn't hold any, uh, anything meaningful for me. Hopefully that makes sense to you. That makes well, sense. Actually, for There's me, it doesn't. Thing, it, it, it yeah. doesn't for, I'll it doesn't just say one last thing. I have to ask this question. What do you do with all those testimonies of those people who said that God healed them? Uh, what do you do with all the testimony written in every book of fiction? No, I'm talking about actual people that we can talk about that we have doctors verifying. What do you, what, what uh, do you say about that? I'm sorry, are you talking about like current miracles? Yes. Like people and, who are okay. like, I had stage four cancer, the doctor gave me two weeks to live, I went back and they couldn't believe I was alive, so I got a checkup, there's zero cancer at all, they can't believe it, it's in newspapers and some local miracle. Yeah, well there's, uh, well there's also documented history of remission happening, right? Like remission happens. So, you know, and, and Nate, actually you and I talked about this before, right? Um, that, that same person says, oh, you know, I got, I got cancer and I, I prayed and all that other stuff. And then the next question would be, well, did you also receive chemotherapy? Right. So what are you yeah, attributing I mean, the healing well, to? Well, right. Yeah. We're, I mean, I mean, Sean and me, are, I mean, we're talking about like the most extreme. Right. So not like even kind of extreme. Just go to like the top 10 most extreme for this. So like not like, well, yeah, I had chemo, but I mean, you know, that remission does happen. Sure. Um, but I mean, we're talking about like, you know, I don't know. Let me ask my oracle again, like the, the most astounding, confounding modern science. Um, you know, you'll hear stories of that, right? Like people who are like, the doctors are like, you have two weeks to live. There is no amount of chemo. And even if remission started, 
you would still be dead by the time you get what I'm saying, right? Not like, Oh, I have cancer and I I'm in remission, but like you're dead. You are dead. <laughs> um, that type thing. And then sure, it's like, yeah. wait, yeah. last time I saw you, you were supposed to be dead. And they're like, Oh, it's been, been six months. I I'm great. I started feeling good or not even six months. Like I, I'm saying like they would see them later or something, but mm -hmm. I don't know. Let me yeah. just, Sean, do you have any example you're pointing to? Okay. Because, I mean, we've uh, yeah. all heard the stories, but, yeah, is there, like, something we can give Michael to read of an account? So it's not just, like, well, I, I let, took chemo. Let and, me see know, if I'll, I'll look something up for him real fast, and then I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay. Yeah, and, like and I, the other thing, and I've said it's funny because I've said this before, right, but the, you know, uh, anecdotes, right, and I've said this before, and I'll, I'll freely admit it, right, to an individual that experiences something, I don't think you'll find better evidence, right? But evidence for one person is an anecdote to somebody else. And the plural of anecdotes is not evidence. Sure. But yeah, I mean, it's what do we do with it? Like, I, I don't know how else to say this. Like, you know, Michael, you have cancer. You're dying. You have two weeks. Like you're, you're, you're I'm about to conflate it with leprosy. I don't know. Like, no, there, you have no chance. All of a sudden, you wake up the next day, uh, you know, assuming you're a Christian, you've been praying and stuff like that. Uh, you wake up the next day, you're like, wow, I feel good. And, you know, we're like, the, I, I don't even know, like where the x-rays are like all or whatever it shows. Like, I don't even know how they see cancer. It's MRI. I, I don't even know. However they do it. Like, let's just say it's all like black and red, like your whole body. And they go and then it's like all like completely clear. And you're like, huh. Well, that's interesting. What do you do with something like that? Um, well, that, that would be good. Yeah, that would be good evidence. That's that's the kind of stuff he's talking about. Like you know, the, the most extreme cases, which we'll see if he finds something for you to read. Yeah, I would wanna I would wanna see that, and then like just just know that if it if it's something specific like cancer, um, I'm I'm fortunate enough to have resources, and that my wife is a professional cancer fundraiser and works at one of the top five cancer centers in the world. So whatever you give me from that, I will forward on to people who deal with cancer every day and see if there's any validity to it. But I'm still open to it. I am totally open to it. Sure, sounds good. Uh, Freeman, you're the one that started asking Michael about stuff. Were your, was your line of questioning done? I had lost my train of thought, to be honest. But um, I sent you that document. King David's the last thing I remember. I got it. Thank you. <laughs> yep. What is a Messiah? Messiah just means anointed one, right? All right, someone start like bad exegesis to get Chris's head in the game. I actually didn't get, um, Freeman, I didn't get yours yet, but I, I had a, I did have a message and it was from someone who's listening but isn't speaking right now, Francis. And uh, I want to thank, thank her for such a, a kind message. That she sent me in the uh, private chat. Mike, when you get um, when you get messages from people, if you're not friends with them, it shows up in like another section. So just look there as well. Well, I just followed you, and something else popped in. So there it is. All right, Steph. Hey, I'm I'm six hours in. I actually wasn't four hours in yesterday. I was, I was like three, three, but um, I'm six hours in now. Okay, how's it going? <clears throat> you know, I, I started seeing some stuff. 
wasn't anything to pull the plug over, but uh, there was one scene where like the this like guy and woman were like were like uh, waking up in bed, and you could see like if there were no covers, I mean you know they're they're sleeping in their birthday suit, but I mean there's nothing nothing shown. It's just you know it's like okay, well you could see enough to realize that there would be nothing on, but they're covered by like a massive like woolly mammoth blanket. Okay, that's sort of comforting. I mean, you know, six hours into a 27-hour uh, video, so, you know, we'll see. Keep it up, man. You're doing God's work. <laughs> Maybe, since no one's got anything to say here. All right, let's just send some random invites. If you guys want to jump in the conversation, say some stuff, ask some questions, yell at Chris, jump on up, be my guest. Walter, you have a lot to say in the chat, but I can't really pay attention to chat too much, so if you'd like to speak. Hey, whatever happened to other... Is, is that the actual Walter? Is that... Mole? Wait, that's not mole. Am I think? No, I'm thinking mole. Whatever happened no, to that guy? No, that's not mole. I don't know. He kind of stopped coming around. He disappeared. You think he got saved and was embarrassed to admit it? Mm, well, maybe. You know what's interesting? I was thinking the same thing about uh, Phil Denver. Like, has anybody seen or heard from him in a while? Oh, I unfortunately uh, had no, to block that guy. No, because I have him super blocked. We'll never see him in this room as long as I'm here. So that's that. yeah, me either. It it's interesting. I've, I've always had, I've always had really good conversations with him. Yeah. What, what, what was the, what was the rationale for? I mean, I, I think you should, like, I personally don't have anybody blocked, nobody. But I think you should do. I think you should use the app as you see fit. I'm curious as to why you guys blocked him. Well, I'm happy to share my. Well, well first, I mean, I've, I've only, I, I mean, I have a lot of people blocked, but I mean, we're, we're not counting like you know people that just yell and scream obscenities and have like naked pictures. So I mean, you know, not counting that, right? Um, so uh, as far as actual people um, who we just have disagreements to the point of blockage, there's like four. So there's him, there's Darth Dawkins, um, and a lot of a lot of espousing Christians, surprisingly. Anyways, him and Darth, and I think maybe two, maybe a Hebrew Israelite and an atheist. Like I don't that just could not uh, control themselves when they came in. Um, anyways, but yeah. So in Philip's case, like we just got to a point, and I tried to give him every like attaboy I could and every like you know chance I could. Um, and when he said something like that was like halfway decent, I'd be like, dude, I appreciate that. That's great. You know, chin up, buddy. That type thing. Um, anyways, he just had, got to such a point because like I, I kind of frown on philosophical conversations, <laughs> and he thrives there. Like that's his home. So I think he thought I was like you know making his home all messy whenever he'd start going down these like very arduous trails of thought, and I kind of cut him short. So anyway, I think I, I at some point he just snapped, and um, he just started going like off. Um, so I put him to the audience, and he just like went off and off and off in chat, like the same thing Darth Dawkins said. We're like, bro, just stop like spamming chat. Like I don't want to block you, but like you got to stop this. You're you sound insane. You're typing crazy stuff please stop. And he wouldn't. So I'm like, well, all right, bye. And I guess now he's, he's, I, I've apparently broken him. Um, and he, he does not like me. He's probably has voodoo doll of me stabbing it. How about you, Steph? Uh, for people blocked or for Phil in particular? I think that one. Uh, I have known Philip a long time. Like he was one of the first people I met on this app a year and a half ago. Um, and I liked him, and then we just, like, there was a whole bunch of stuff. Like, we were in all these political conservative groups together, and then he would just, like, pick fights with people, and then I would always defend him, 
And then he would like turn on everybody, me included. So it just became kind of like weirdly, like I started taking it all personal. Like, hey man, I'm defending you. I want to be your buddy. Why are you? So then uh, he had been modding in this room and there were a couple of occasions where he just was doing that thing where he gets real emotional and upset. And so a couple of times in a row, either Nate or I had moved him down. Um, and so then I caught him in another room. He didn't realize I was in it and I'm like, I'm on my own account, but I guess he wasn't looking. And, uh, he was talking to Chris and Odie and he was just saying super nasty stuff about me and Nate. And, uh, so that's when I blocked him. Yeah. But he didn't realize oh. I was there. Yeah. And Felix brought up another point. Yeah. Uh, politics. Like he, he found out I, I, you know, support president Trump and vote for him and stuff like that. And he absolutely lost it. Like he hates that guy probably as much as he now hates me. But so that was another thing. And then also anti-Semitism. Like I, I remember he like he, he got mad because I, you know, I call it like I see it. So if someone's being like racist or anti-Semitic or something like that. Um, you know, I call it out. But it got to a point where I'm like he wanted me to like, you know, kick people and like mod mod my room a certain way for people who are anti-Semitic. I'm like, dude, they're not anti-Semitic. Like they just disagreed with you. Disagreeing is not anti-Semitism. He's like, well, no, blah, blah, blah. You didn't see what they, like, uh, you know, said to me before, and I know them. I'm like, great, I don't know them. No, I'm not going to do that. Like, if they say something, like, you know, awful in here, you know, I'll, I'll mod. But them disagreeing is not that. Uh, anyways, Beaver, what's up, Beaver? How are you speaking? Beaver, three, two, one. Walter, what's up, Walter? How are you speaking, Walter? Sorry. Oh, Beaver, what's up? I'm just trying to tiptoe. The sun is still I'm good, sleeping. Nate. Just listen. Okay. Uh, were you? Did you have something to say, Beaver? Oh yeah, I'm just trying to be quiet because my son is uh, oh, sleeping okay. in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that those are perfectly legitimate reasons to to block someone. Uh, and yeah, I've, I'm I've talked to people, and I'm not trying to like virtue signal like you shouldn't block anybody. I think you should do what you want to do. Um, like, especially with, you know, an app like this. Um, but yeah, just me personally, um, there's like, like even our friend Ding Dong, I don't have him blocked. I don't interact with him, but I don't have him blocked. I have very yeah, few I... people blocked. I have like, uh, Seawolf and Phil and, uh, there's one other person. I don't remember who. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a list of three like people who have really like, and that's the thing. It's not like disagreement. Like Nate was saying, disagreement is not enough grounds to block for me, or even hostility. It's like having somebody use information about you for evil. That's where my line is. I don't like that. That seems like a fair line. Yeah, and I mean, I I, I like your policy, Michael. Like, yeah, I I don't like blocking people for anything. Um, except I guess you know. The ability to function on an app so like you know like the darth guy like i i he kept like just flooding my back channel with like all kinds of you know christian cursing um and i mean i guess by that i mean actual cursing um but i mean he was just like going crazy i'm like i'm like dude you've got to stop i'm like look i get it you have a problem with me because you know i didn't take your side on everything sorry um but i mean i'm like you've got to stop writing these like diatribes i like i'm hearing beeps every two seconds like, anyway, so it's like I, I couldn't function on the app. Um, anyway, uh, Noel, what's up, Noel? Hey, um, I can actually ask a question if you don't want to talk about blocking people anymore. 
Wonderful. Thank you. What's up? Okay, great. Uh, so when uh, when I was brought up, um, I would say that I, I believed all the, the classical stories of, of Christianity. But then during my period of falling out of belief, uh, I encountered several details that, that really kind of it soured the stories I had believed as a kid. And I think that's what, kind of what contributed to, to no longer believing. Um, I'll give you some examples. So like when I first found out that the original version of Mark ends in 16.8 uh, and the post-resurrection appearances were added much later. Um, also that passage from Josephus claiming that Jesus was a Messiah who performed miracles and then finding out that that was a forgery. Uh, things like these, they, they really damaged my belief, and I think that's part of why I am no longer a believer at all. And I'm just wondering, do these details that, you know, prove that what we kind of grew up believing weren't actually, wasn't actually true, do, do those not impact you as much as they did me? Can I? Well, as, uh, go ahead, Steph. Um, so the, the two examples that you gave aren't crucial to the faith, right? So, so the thing is that we know more about the time of Christ now than they did a hundred years after or 200 years after he died. Like we, we have so much archeology span and science and we can look into this stuff. But the point is the information is always going to change, right? So the thing about Mark, and I don't know all the details about that, but it's highly contested. You find people on either side of like, should this be included? Should it not? Who was this written by when da 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 da. And so you'll find people in both camps on that argument. And so then what you do is you, you don't like, it would be an extreme reaction to take, you know, the Josephus forgery or the, like, if you had already integrated those things into your faith and made them primary, um, primary uh, issues with your Christianity, then anything could have blown you off of that stance. Do you know what I mean? So, so in some ways it's like, yeah, now we have a question to solve. What is going on with Mark? What do we do with this, right? What does this do to the inerrancy of the Bible and the canonization process? Those are all important questions to ask, you know? But it would be an extreme reaction to say, just, just throw out the whole thing. Like, because this happened, because I was told about Noah's Ark, and now we find out that this word might mean regional and not global, and my pastor was wrong all this time, I'm just going to... Because the reality is that men much smarter than us have been studying this for entire lifetimes for a couple thousand years now and for us to be swayed by oh Josephus had a forgery at some point in perspective is a little silly to me so that's where I would stand up yeah I, I mean I would agree with her like you know in the end of Mark or it, it where we're talking about like the Lord's Prayer didn't have like for thine is the kingdom power and glory for every man and people are like now I disbelieve the entire Bible like no, this is this is zero problem. Like you know, I I, I guess my question, like if we found out, like I don't know, the whole the whole Bible was a forgery, or you know, the resurrection of Jesus. There was some account that's like, no, I'm an eyewitness. I was there. Like I was hiding around the building while I saw this plot hatch about how they were going to tell this Jesus guy all flew up into the sky, and they were going to like get like hundreds of people to agree that they all saw this. Then I'd be like, ah, that makes me have some questions. Um. But I mean, we don't have anything like that. And then it's like, okay, well, if that did happen, then is that the forgery and not the real one? Um, so I mean, either way, you're going to have some work to do besides rightly just like writing off something. Um, but I mean, my guess question for you would be, was your faith just like so so much just based in like a little bit of text uh, enough to discount the entire rest of the text, like the other you know 
books and stuff about Jesus written, you know, by other people over lots of time. Um, and there was like no, like, not to get all woo, but like no, like, you know, sort of like insight or awareness that this is true. It was just you believed it because. Uh, well, I would say it was really kind of a binary decision. So one option is exactly what I was taught. Perfect. There were no problems with it. And it was definitely, you know, a godly creation, not a human one. Um, and then to find out of, of these details um, that sort of shattered this idea that the Bible was perfect and and definitely trusted together by humans who were very superstitious at the time, believed in magic and, you know, a whole bunch of other like mythological stories. And when you look at it from that lens, it, it seems to make a lot more sense overall uh, that, that the Bible is the way it is. And it's got flaws and, and, you know, certainly like facts that are just wrong. Um, and so with that being the binary decision, eventually I decided it was much more likely to just be the, the, the second one and, and not, from any sort of perfect deity. What facts does the Bible have wrong? What stance? What you facts. said the Bible has facts that are wrong. Yes, facts that are wrong. Yeah. Can Can you give an example of one or two? Or sure. There was never a global flood. Um, there, uh, uh, the world was not created in six days. So you were there uh, for that. Well, wait. Okay. And the Bible doesn't claim either of those things, right? So this is, so, so here's what I'm reading just based on those two things. And I'd like to hear you go on, but my, my theory is just proven correct that you did, you had a very fragile understanding of the Bible in the first place. And so the smallest breeze blew you off of it. And I'm not saying that you were ignorant or that you're, I'm not making any claims about your education or intelligence. I'm saying your, your framework of how you looked at these ancient documents was so off that of course you were persuaded otherwise. So even in the two examples you gave, the Bible, the Bible is a living document, right? And by that, I mean, in the same way that the constitution is a living document, it's written for people beyond its time and in its time, it's written for people of multiple education levels. It's written for people who are just listening because they're illiterate. It's written for people who can use the internet to study it, right? So we have this very dynamic, fluid, flexible living document here. So in with that perspective, and it's anomalous in that way, right? We don't see ancient writings that are compiled in this way. But anyway, that's a whole other. So so the the thing is that when you're looking at things like the Bible what or the earth wasn't created in six days. Okay, the Bible doesn't claim with absolute solidity and certainty that it was. For example, when we see Christ was resurrected. Christ was crucified and resurrected. This is not metaphorical. This is not written in one part and then they go on to that. Like the creation account is written in a way that is flexible and that should raise some eyebrows. It's not written with the absolute rigid solidity that the resurrection is, right? And so we can look at that and say, interesting, this is a part of an ancient document that unlike other creation accounts of its time allows for science to come in later and say, hey, that word yom actually is flexible enough to allow for an old earth creation model. Now, I'm not making a claim about which it is, 
But what I'm going to tell you is that those are the kinds of things that you need to look at. You cannot say the Bible is wrong because it claimed that the earth was created in six days. Well, it sort of doesn't. Well, I mean, the, you're not going to contest that that the words in the Bible literally say six days, right? But that's what, I am going that's to what contest that. Yes. So, okay. so the so word. So the if word I were to go wrong. pick up, if I were to go pick up a, a, a King James Bible or you know NIV, and I were to read that chapter in Genesis, I'm not going to read six days. So again, this is a very inflexible and modern view of an ancient text, right? So what we need, you can look at it in Barnes and Noble in 2023 in American English and say, oh, look, the word day, right? But what we have is the word yom, which actually is used in other parts of the Bible and other texts to mean a period of time. So why would an ancient text use the word a period of time instead well, of a literal, like, and then it talks about the sun rising and the sun setting. So we have questions with there, but to claim like, oh, it has this rigid word day and therefore the entire book is incorrect. That's where you're going to falter there. You're going to struggle defending that. Well, you made a reference to the, um, the exact wording of the resurrection. So that's actually, look, there's another example. Uh, Matthew 27, 53, I think it is. The, uh, the march of the zombie saints. Um, we know that definitely didn't happen, okay. and yet that was written with with the exact same language as the resurrection of Jesus. So I'm so that going would be to struggle a... having this conversation. I'm going to pass it off to the boys in a second. But the, you, so you're you're moving past, like you're going to your next checklist, but you're not recognizing this crucial. You are hinging your disbelief on an argument that is invalid, and now you're moving to the next one, right? The Bible no. does not literally. So, so what this I want just... you to Hold on. This, wait, let me explain. This is just another example of the Bible saying exact wording that we're not to believe literally. It's an example of you being a man speaking American English in 2023 and not being a, a student of historic text or a man of faith. That's what it's an example of. And I'm not appealing to faith as though like, oh, well, you don't believe in God, so you wouldn't understand anyway. I'm saying these questions have been answered by people much smarter than you and me for thousands of years. So I beg of you, go find the answer, right? Like I just gave you one that I know that proves that your understanding is faulty. Uh, no, it didn't. Um, okay. You said that the you word said, day you said, reverse translates back to a period of time. But for thousands of years, people believed in a literal seven day creation. There are correct. There are so creationists on Clubhouse to a, today that believe it. So and so there is one of them. So hold on. Yep. Does that, that point? That yeah, doesn't Chris mean he has a one. golden scepter of what's right. Go ahead, Stephanie. Right. Yeah. So so if and again, I'm not making a claim about whether it's six days or 23 billion years. OK, I'm not making a claim about that. We are talking strictly about the text and what it allows for. So if you say, I believe in science, my stance is that the earth is very, very old. And this text says six days and the Catholic Church believed it for X amount of years. Is that a problem with the text or is that a problem with the people who believed it? Like that, you know, the Catholic Church used to kill people, people for believing in a heliocentric model, but the Bible never claims that. Right. So so what you have to examine, Null, is am I having an issue with what the actual text text states? Have I studied the historical text enough to understand what it states or am I having an issue with church history? And I'm going to make the assumption that you have much more of an issue with church history. Well, no, I think my issue really is um, I was told to believe that the Bible is perfect, inerrant, and is not confusing. And so to learn these facts 
uh, as you know, my life progressed, countered all three of those claims. Right. So again, the Bible what, is confusing. So what, it's definitely on. got problems with it. But wait, but, you're, you're not hearing. What facts did you learn? What what fact? Because the one fact that you gave is wasn't real. Uh, okay. You want more? Well, so no, I want you to understand the problem you're having with the way you're looking at this book. Okay, that's okay. I'll, I'll pass it back to the voice. Well, you, you, you said what other facts, like like the, the city of Dan problem, um, the, uh, the the original uh, the original Greek word for vir virgin being Alma instead of Bethula. You know, that's a problem. Well, again, no, it's not. Like, again, so the city of Dan problem. Why don't you describe the city of Dan problem to us? Uh, sure. Um uh, let's see. I have a vaguer uh, memory of this, but I believe that a city was referenced as being named Dan before that city even existed. According to whom? Uh, according to historians, New, uh, Old Testament scholars. And exactly, and exactly how did they draw those conclusions? Have you read any of the documentation? Have you familiarized yourself with the actual science, or are you just going from a single article written by a skeptic. What is your what is your what is your ability to understand these complex issues? Because the city of Dan does exist. There's an archaeological dig that you can literally visit right now. Yes, I'm aware of that. Um, the problem is that the Bible referred to it as the city of Dan before it existed at that period. And how exactly did the Bible do that? So, what is the claim? So, again, all of these problems that you keep bringing up, so the idea of Alma with Virgin and the Hebrew, you don't even have an understanding of that theologically, nor do you have any education on that particular issue, um, you know, in, in any of the nuance, and yet you're using it to discount the truth of the entire affair. And so my, 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 I think what Steph is trying to point out to you is that you have an extremely surface and an extremely... Uh, ignorant understanding, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. You just All right, don't, well, you haven't I'm going to leave the conversation then. Thanks, thanks for the talk. Okay, bye. sure, bye. Okay, here's my armchair recording back uh, of what happened. That was totally unnecessary. Chris, you actually did good today. Congratulations, attaboy. Um, but, okay, so problems with the Bible. It started with the ending of Mark, and then it went to a forgery of Josephus. And then it went to the beginning of Genesis. And then he said, Steph, that's a mostly quote. So you're saying that's another thing in the Bible we're not supposed to take literal. When you're literally disputing the meaning of the word. So if it said it's a literal 24-hour period and you said, no, that's metaphorical. That's the time to make that argument. But her whole stance was yam means a time period, not a literal 24 hours. So when you say, oh, that's another word you're not supposed to take literally. No, she is taking it literally. Take it literally means a period of time, not a determined by you and Barnes and Noble period of time. So it's just a fallacious argument. And before we could explain that, which Chris wanted to say something about the six day creation because he actually he believes it. Um, it doesn't make him wrong either. But then he goes, so we didn't even get to talk about that, and he goes to, like, the city of Dan, and before, what, while Chris is trying to point this out, like, it doesn't sound fun, perfect example, it doesn't be fun, it doesn't sound fun to be told you're ignorant, but 
if you if you don't look at that in 2023 speak, just like Barnes and Noble grabbed a book off the shelf, Chris was making the same type of thing his error was by saying Steph wasn't taking the Bible literally, even though she literally was. So Yom means time period, <clears throat> and to interpret it just how someone did and said, no, Yom being time period, that is 24 hours, and then say you're not taking the Bible literally, that's just as faulty as Chris in 2023, you know, telling someone they're ignorant, not meaning like you're, you're so, so ignorant, blah, blah, blah. Um, but like, you just are unlearned. Like you don't have knowledge in this. It's just an, a lack of knowledge in this area. And before he could point it out, he, he like took that the same way, I guess he takes Yom as 24 hour per a day period um, and takes ignorant as like, you know, the, the pejorative it's known today, which again, it doesn't sound fun, but in the Chris sense, since Chris means it, I cannot speak this week. Um, he's saying, no, you just lack knowledge. And then he's about to impart some knowledge and the guy gets off and leaves. So that's what just happened. And it's totally unnecessary. That, it, it, it is unfortunate that he didn't hang around because, you know, it's like, and, you know, Chris, take this in the manner which it's intended, right? There's a big difference between what you said today versus your ignorant pick up a book. Um, which I've <laughs> which I've heard you say many times, right? There, there's a difference between those two things, and it's too bad that he didn't stick around. I, I will say that, kind of in his defense, <clears throat> a little bit, is there are like, well, maybe I'll just speak for me. M my my conviction that you know these things are not only um, you know not true, but you know th this is what this is what I'm convinced of is, and I think this is what he didn't. Maybe he didn't articulate. That's not ter terribly charitable. But anyway, um, it's it's a cumulative case, right? So it's not one thing. And I've had I've heard this, you know, said many times. You know, you know, why don't you believe? And I think sometimes, and I'm not saying this is this is the case of what was said here by Steph. Certainly not by Steph or Chris. Um, is you know, it's like what's the one thing? It's like well, it's not one thing, right? It's it's a it's a cumulative case. It's a bunch of stuff written you know within those pages and when you you know like he referenced a couple of them right um you know like the the bible says that god is not the author of confusion right that on the face of it is just flatly untrue read the bible talk to five different people to like talk to five different christians and you'll see how confusion arises um so like it but it's it's things like this like it, it, it's a bunch of stuff i i will say in chris and steph's defense it would have been it would have been better for him to talk out each point, uh, either you know come to an come to a point of agree to disagree or whatever, and then move on to the next point. It doesn't make you know like from from the atheist perspective, you know he doesn't he doesn't make us atheists looks good look good if he raises a point, it's countered with something, and then he moves on to something else, right? You you should at least have the resolve to stick with a particular point of discussion until you move on to the next point of discussion. I understand where the frustration comes from, from Steph and Chris's perspective when it comes to that. So, but anyway, that, that's my two cents worth. Well, and also the guy was, uh, uh, you know, just because God is not the author of confusion, I believe that. And, you know, if you ask five Christians, five, uh, you know, the same question, you'll get like 10 answers. I, I get that. Um, but also it's not a cop-out, which he was using it as, it's like the Bible's so confusing. But in this case, he was clearly very confused. It has nothing to do with the Bible. It's got with basic comprehension and reading skills. So you can't just say, oh, the Bible's not supposed to be confusing. And it's so confusing when you are just 
well, ignorant. You're just unlearned. Like you're trying to speak for words as if you know what they mean, but the definition just disagrees with you. You can't blame that on the Bible. You blame that on your, your literary teacher. Um, oh yeah, for yeah. sure. And, and, and I didn't, I, I hope it didn't come across as I'm trying to blame that on the Bible. That's not what no, I No, mean. not you, it's, him. It's, yeah, okay. Okay. That's, I'm glad, I'm glad it didn't come across that. And the other thing and about he's talked that to us too, before like a little the... bit. And he's usually more reasonable. Yeah, go ahead, Steph. Yeah, the the author of confusion thing always like upsets me because it's like, well, you can say math, right? Like math works. It it's not it's not confusing in the way that it, like they always say confusion like it doesn't make sense. It contradicts. Like math is not confusing. It works. People who understand math understand how it works. So if you're going to begin to study math. You have to start with the basics. You have to get the foundations down and then you can move on to the part. And once you understand it, you're like, oh, this is not a mess. This is not contradictory. This works. And the study of history or particularly the Bible is the same way. It's like, yeah, if you jump to the, you know, PhD level topics, you're going to and then you go home and you're like, why am I confused? God must not be real. It's like, yeah, you've you've made a mistake there. Right. And that's what I meant about it being a living document. My seven year old understands concepts in the Bible just fine. And as she grows, she's going to hopefully have a desire to learn more concepts about the Bible. My stepmom, who is a woman of extreme faith and love and kindness, and I would love to emulate her type of Christianity, she has no, or her, her faith, she has absolutely no interest in theology or history or anything whatsoever. And she's a good Christian. And she's like, you know, there. so it's, you it's such a living document that different types of believers of different education, you know, levels and different ages and different comprehension abilities can get like immense. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's like to say, Oh God is the, you know, God isn't the author of confusion and I don't get it. Well, okay. You've already committed to delving into study. What study have you done? Have you, because once you open that door, now you're going into the depths of the Bible. And as soon as you hit that PhD stuff, you're confused and you're angry well, did you get this from godsnotreal.com or did you actually start with reputable theologian, you know, the, theologian that you can trust and who has this understanding? Like that, that God's not the author of confusion argument always just grinds my gears. Uh, good morning. Could, could I ask a question about that? Oh, uh, hang on one second, Baptized. D was going to say something and I know it's going to be quicker than what you're going to say. We'll come right to you next. Uh, D, what okay. were you trying to say? It's the sincerity because Steph sat there and was going to actually walk him through his question. Like, if you are, like, if you were ever a believer and you really wanted to know the information, she was actually about to walk you through everything. And then when she just could tell that he really wasn't here to really get an answer, is let me see how I can stump you. And Chris got on the, um, on the line and Chris just pulled his card, like, you know, what What you? What have you been reading? Like what uh, Steph just said. So, you know, I'm starting to become a Calvinist because it's like maybe this just the elect because some people just don't really care to know, want to know. I think I might just sign up for He is never going to let that go. <laughs> but, Dee, I get, just... I, I get your point. And, I, Chris, cover your ears. I, I agree with you that it – it almost would make someone start thinking Calvinism is right. However, um, yeah, I, I agree, but it's like a whole my sheep know my voice, that type thing that, you know, if, if people if people will change their heart, not wait for God to pluck them up necessarily. So you, you can you can believe that without being a Calvinist. But it's like if people really have a, a heart to, like, uncover some stones and go down this road, then 
I believe they will get there. But if if they don't, it's just like, you know what? They, maybe maybe we should be Calvinists. I don't know, Chris. Maybe you're right. No, those aren't Calvinists. Listen. No, we have no, no, we no, have no, cookies. No, no, no. <laughs> no, that's, listen, listen, listen. It's, it's like. He's within us. He's within us. So those that he's within, they're going to hear his voice. Like, it's, I mean, I remember being a cat child and, went, and was wondering where, where did the dinosaurs fall in? But that didn't stop my faith. It's just you keep growing, you keep learning, you keep, you grow and you learn. And um, I believe the Bible is inerrant, but I also don't, do know that men are fallible. And there are things in the Bible where numbers don't match up, but you understand that men are right. There's a difference between the history and the accounts and the word of God when it says, thus saith the Lord. Everything is not thus saith the Lord. And I also know that when Paul, even Paul says, this is my word and this is what the Lord says. So, like, you're not even going into depth of the basic surface superficial things. Like, it's just like, you just don't care. You don't want to know. Let's leave them to a reprobate mind. Those who are interested, give them the information. You know, I mean, I even like Michael. I mean, he's an atheist, but he at least will talk to you, you know, and go through the process of uh, this is how I see it, and here's the counter, and, you know. So, I mean, people who just jump on the stage like, oh, I got you, and then once they get God, they move on to the next conversation. Okay, let's read this. Uh, Baptize, I did say we'll come right to you. Uh, sorry, hang on. Let, you know, I'll even let you speak on this if you want. But let, all right, let's read this short parable and see if, if we can come up with a way how we, we should not all be Calvinists after reading this. Okay. Um, I, I'm putting a lot of faith in you here, Steph. The, all right. Then the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you'll hear but not understand, you'll have eyes but not perceive. The people's heart has grown dull, and their ears can barely hear, and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Uh, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. All right. So, Steph, why should we not be a Calvinist? Because (laughs) we're, like, the thing that... My understanding of this, and based on what Paul writes, and based on, like, it's the whole story, right? It has to do with desire. Do you desire to find what the truth is, or are you... See, I, I take a much more, like, academic, like, academia approach to this, because that's how my faith kind of came about. But it, it's like, the, the desire to know God and to find truth is what will do that. It, that's what will open you to this. It's not some seed that God planted in you or didn't plant in you at your birth because he hates you and has made you for a vessel for destruction. That's my I, argument. Yeah, I just wanted to also right. just say quickly to D, I, I quite, D, I, I quite like you as well. It might not be fair to say that, I, and I forget his name, the guy that was in here talking to this stuff. It might no. not be fair to say that he doesn't care. Um, But, but you know, that, that's, a, that's a small point, right? I mean, I think it's, I, it, it's probably more charitable to say if he's in here asking questions, are there bad faith actors? Sure. It may not be charitable to say, oh, he's one of those bad faith actors. He doesn't care. 
It was more so the sincerity because when someone is actually walking through points and you disregard what they said and then when someone else who's like, all right, let's just let's just get to the bottom line. Where are you getting these sources from? Let's talk about them. And then you, I got to go. It's the sincerity. It's not, I'm not saying he doesn't care. It's just, are you here to find the answers? Because maybe there's somewhere in your heart that is stating that, I feel like I want you to know, and so go ahead and seek these answers. And I do want you to have these hard conversations because you have to be able to make a claim for your faith. So go ahead and ask the question. But when he's getting the answers, well, and when someone is you know, and that's part of what. Yeah, I think I agree. Hang on, I, I got it. I, I don't want to be. A... I don't want to be a liar. I want. I want to speak. But baptize. I, I. I promise you can talk. Go ahead and say what oh, you want to say. And, and... Uh, thanks for having me on stage. Okay, I have a question. You all know the the story about the Samaritan woman at the well, right? Can you tell me what what actually happened at the well with her and Jesus? Well, it was a rainy day that day, and I don't think we really saw what was going down. So we just basically wrote the few things we saw. No, that's wrong. Um, Nick, do you know what happened with uh, Jesus and the Samaritan at the well? What, What did he say to her? Should we just fast walk this? What's your theory about what happened, Mr. Layman? You know, what I'm she pointing cried. out here is, what I'm pointing out here is, uh, people um, say they read the Bible but they don't understand it, and this is an example because the Samaritan at the uh, when Jesus met up with the the woman at the well, he told her, you know, first uh, he asked her, "Can you give me a drink?" And the woman said, "Well, the well's deep. How how can you don't have nothing to draw from?" But then Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God, you would have asked me for a drink and I would have given you living water that will lead up to eternal life. And the woman says to Jesus, sir, how can I receive this water? Do you know what Jesus told her? Does anybody know what Jesus told the woman at the well when she asked, how can I receive this living water? Huh? I should be like write the next verse right after what he told. Right, and what what right. uh, the what uh, Jesus told the woman is go home and get your husband and come back. So that's how you get the living water. You go home and get your husband and come back. So that's I have evidence. to go home and get my husband and come back. Well, I was going to just say that's evidence that uh, gay people are okay. No, I'm just joking. But oh um, the fact is. When Jesus told her, go home and get your husband and come back, because that's how she's going to receive this living water. But what, what did the woman say? She said, sir, I don't have no husband. And Jesus said, you're correct when you say you have uh, no husband. The fact is you have five husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband. So the, the whole story about the woman at the well is all about living water and how to receive it. That woman was an adulteress because she had five husbands. Or Jesus said, the fact is you have five husbands, but the man you're with now is not your husband. So in other words, she had sex with uh, several men and she was an adulteress. In order for her to receive that living water, she had to repent of her sin. So that's something that you guys didn't know the answer to that, but you all knew the story, but you didn't know the real definite. The, the facts of the story. And that's why we all we've knew. all been. Everyone knows that. 
What do you mean? It's like no, no two point No, you guys couldn't answer the question. So, when I asked listen, baptize, baptize. Why did, why did Jesus? I'm banging my head against my table right now. I don't want to answer anything you have to say. I'm no, just doing this because that. Steph let you up here. Why do you think Jesus asked? Take on it. You think he didn't know already what the answer would be? Maybe he thought he was what? getting a new take. <laughs> he already knew what the no, answer would be. You, you think I'm making asked... this up? Yes. Oh my God. Huh? Yes. You you're can... making this up. Okay. Read. Read John four fifteen. Read John four fifteen. Patrick, and... the problem is not with the words on the paper. Paper. The problem was with how you take the words on the paper and absolutely murder them and twist you them. That's you, the problem. You, read the verse. Be fair. Uh, John four fifteen and keep reading and, and, and read it out loud to everybody. You know what, Nate? I was thinking he was going to say sex is marriage because if she's having sex with all of these men, they these will be her husbands. And maybe she didn't have sex with the last one yet, so that's why he isn't her husband. So she's committing adultery because there's no such thing as – I thought he was going to go there because I was thinking it was going to be a, a new a nuance. Or maybe the concept of how they were ruled by five other rulers. I've heard different ones, but I didn't think he was going to give us the original version. When, when Jesus said, go home and get your husband and come back, he was meaning for her to go get her married husband and come back. But she said, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, you're correct. You have five husbands. And he, he specified it. The man you're with now is not your husband. That lady was having sex with people she was not married with. Right, yes, right. we know. Hey, right. right. what is happening? What is confusing? You should have you know said Jesus that Jesus didn't like divorce, so you can only be married to one person, and he needs she needs to go back to her original husband because sex is marriage. Yeah, now you lie. Wait a minute, okay, Mister Layman. Mister, why do you hate us, Steph? What? Why do you hate us? I don't. I. I'm sorry, Mister Layman. Tell is us your, the story. Steph, is tell your, us the story about the woman at the well. No, you you got it. You've given... No, tell us the story so you can prove that you know it all. Oh, that's not what I was going to do. I was going to ask you, Mr. Layman, what's your... Story. Now, you tell me your version of that, of, of when have, Jesus... Have you not heard enough of his cranky old man yelling yet? I know, no, right? I'm, Mr. Layman is your... you, guys, you guys don't read the Bible. You don't study it. Okay, uh, executive decision. Uh, I can't. Okay. We're done. Curse you, Steph. Um, I think his thesis gonna... was just that we don't read and to understand, but then the interpretation he gave wasn't bad. So I was going to commend him for that. Uh, but oh well. Good job today, Mr. Lehman. No, he, we've heard him say this before. Like, I mean, prove to me we don't remember this. Like, he's going to eventually twist this into living water and crying for salvation. But he did it. That's yet. what's going to happen. I always we have faith him. in Mr. Lehman. He's going to come around. I, he He's going to get there. He'll get there. Yeah, but Nate, it doesn't seem like a good morning to argue with elderly people. Oh, boy. Kevin, let's talk Kevin? about video games. Let's talk about video games. Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, and Harold's also up there. I'm, I'm not still in the room. I'm not oh, please. Just... Nate, do you Can play Diablo? Jesus? I don't know. Nate. I played Diablo 2 once. I just got cheat codes and powered through it. I don't really, I didn't really play the story. I just killed everything. Okay. Then, unfortunately, um, Kevin, neither of us can answer that for you. Harold, what's up? He's on the phone. Nate, just get an iPhone already, man. Hey, I don't. How do you see this stuff? Because I have an iPhone.
this is one of the things where you're winning the battle but losing the war. Like, you may win the clubhouse battle, but you're losing the phone war. Well, I'm not, though. Because my phone just works. So, it's a thing. Prove it. Read the verse. It says you're not. Show me. Otherwise, your iPhone's <laughs> online. It doesn't exist. Your iPhone does not exist. Tippy, what's up, Tippy? Tippy, Tippy, iPhone or Android? iPhone. And I see the little red call button, too. See? Mm. See? Anyway, how are you, Tippy? I'm blessed. <laughs> Hashtag right. best life. What's that? Hashtag best life. Hashtag I'm doing okay, but no matter what <laughs> I got, I have I have air in my lungs, so I have the breath of life, and I feel blessed for that. Amen. Awesome to hear. Well, where were we before Patrick said, can I ask a question and then taught a sermon? Where, where were, we, were we before that happened? I was actually just about to talk about types of doubt with Null. When we're, uh, when we're dealing with doubters, I was going to say something about Michael, but he's not here, so I won't. Um, you, you always want to identify the type of doubt they're having. And I point people to Gary Habermas for this because he breaks it down so simply and so beautifully. There are, when people have opposition or, you know, they have issues with the Bible, we want to identify what type of problem is this? And that was the first thing I tried to do with Null was explain like, okay, your problem is not with what the text says. It's Christians. Your problem is with church history. So you need to shift your focus. Like if your question is actually about why did the church persecute people who believed in the science of old earth, blah, 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 blah. That's not a question about the text. So we need to actually address where the issue is. And what, what he had was emotional doubt, right? He had, this, he had this issue that he didn't like Christianity. He didn't like the way it felt. He didn't like the way he had been treated by Christians. And he didn't like the way it was presented to him. So he went to the text to find contradictions. So you got to get over that with him before he'll begin to see reason. So that's what I was saying, but Michael left. So. Oh, the I parable about people aren't supposed to, aren't supposed to hear the message or some of it. They're not supposed to understand. Yeah, that too. I think a lot of people have a time, a hard time with miracles. That seems to be the issue that I always come across. Oh, What's up, maybe. Kevin? I was just going to say, Tippy, I don't know if you were in here, but it was before you came on stage where this guy was kind of coming with like Google problems of the Bible and then getting mean, up. You mean infidels.com or .org or whatever, where they have yeah. a list of atheist arguments, which include the Jehovah Witness arguments that... Is that a real thing? Much, yeah, it's a real thing. Well, now we know. All those arguments that you hear, and I'm sure you've heard thousands and thousands of times over... They literally come from a website. Go through the website. It's true. And then there's, it's true. And, and then, see, this is where I find it funny because Muslims try to use the, the same website, but they're stupid for doing that because a lot of stuff that you find in, in the Quran, it's stolen from the Bible. They can't use those arguments against the Bible because it's found in the Quran. It's the dumbest thing ever. Well, and then a couple things like back to, I think that never got tied up, Steph. Like when, when that guy kept saying, like, as soon as he'd get like shut down in one point, 
instead of like talking about her being like, oh, I'll think about that. He just immediately throws something right. else. And and I think that's where uh, D was called was noticing like he was just dishonest. Like he didn't want to learn, right? And it's like, who? How do you know somebody else? Uh, how do you know what they're thinking? Well, by, by the, by like by the poison fruits they're showing. So it's like if you totally just like make some make a point and co- totally counter and like show someone point blank how they're wrong instead of acknowledging it, they just like they're like, okay, what about this? What about this? And they never stop to acknowledge. Okay, that gives me something to think about they just like disregard that and move on to the next thing. That's just like, and that's like a hallmark of like, you know, a dishonest, a bad faith actor. Well, anyways, well, Tippi, how oh, have you That's your... what I was going to say. Sorry, I didn't unmute fast enough. I agreed with Michael that I don't think it's always bad faith. I think it's emotional. Like I, I, th- I don't think that he has the ability right now or the desire. I should say he doesn't have the desire. He doesn't have the desire to see, what his issue actually is. And so that's where it becomes tricky because then when you dismiss them as being like, Oh, you don't actually care or you don't actually, what you know, all the things that we, cause we get frustrated. It's like, yeah, we've heard this before. We're not like new to this. Okay. This is not very convincing. Um, so then, you know, it's like, instead of kind of dismissing them, it's a little bit more helpful to be like, look, man, you, you have to, you have to walk through this with me if you actually want to solve this problem. And if you don't want to solve this problem, then there's nothing I can do for you. You know, well, like what Chris said about what Chris said about, um, Dan, right? Like that was not horrible. I mean, you know, maybe, I mean, he misunderstood the ignorant part and left, but I mean, you said it's emotional. Like, I, I, I'm just going to throw emotional with bad faith. Like if you don't have the presence of mind to have an adult conversation, then I'll send them to Steph and you can, you know, rub his back and burp him and pat him on the head and, you know, help him, help him through his emotional <laughs> stages. But I'm like, I, 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 am here. I want, I want to talk to, you know, adult conversations. So, you know, like act the same way here, you would like work. And if, if you, if you wouldn't act a certain way at work that you, or, you know, just like business casual, like, it's not a big deal. Like you're speaking with adults act like it. So when he's like, well, have you read the account of Dan? And, and Chris just called it out and he's like, oh, have, have you really studied this? Or have you just read one account by, you know, this type of scholar? Um, or have you read more? And then he just like started getting real hostile. So clearly he had a nerve. Like if, if that was not true, he could be like, no, I've extensively studied this. Here's my sources. Which, I'll send you, you know a back though, channel. You know what like he could have done that. Hang on. So I'm not interrupted, but I appreciate that. Um, he could have easily done that, or he could have been like, you're right. I see your point. Maybe you have something. Do you have something else I can check out? But he didn't. He just like got more hostile until you know he just peaced out. What's up, Kevin? All right, my bad, man. Uh, so yeah, so it's the same thing with people who that look at the documentary, uh, Zeitgeist, right? You ever heard of that? Uh, yes, yes, I hate that thing. Those people. Yeah, they do the same thing, right? So they'll watch this documentary, and what they'll do, they'll make argument, they'll make their argument points based upon what they've seen in the video. But yet, if they're asked any questions going further into the mythos that's being discussed, they they won't do that. Um, and the reason why is because they wanted to hit it head on based on their perspective of the documentary, right? So when you say, okay, have you read the Metonetra or any of the Egyptian texts in regards to this guy? No, 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 that's not what I asked you. So it's, so that's how you know is based upon something they picked up somewhere and not really based upon something they actually studied or looked at. And then, uh, you know, from there. But, uh, yeah, you're going to have people. Yeah. And it's exhausting because it's hubris at the end of the day, right? Like, there are things that I know a lot about, okay? But there's this phrase, like, always try to be the dumbest person in the room. 
Like I'm always trying to be the dumbest person in the room. I'm always trying to be asking the stupid questions because that's how you actually truly get information. That's how you learn things. And you never learn anything by walking in and, and with the attitude of, well, I found this fact out and you've probably never heard this fact. So therefore I have a more complete picture than you. It's just like, that is a recipe for learning nothing. And uh, most people don't realize that. <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah, thinking that you have everything all figured out and you're smarter, that especially when you're so young, like I'm in my 30s, I know nothing. And maybe by the time I die, I'll know something. I don't know. But you, you really have to, if you want to learn the truth, if you're actually seeking truth, that's the attitude you have to have. I think a lot of people, though, are very disingenuous, especially online. We come across anti-theists and um, that's what they're not atheists or agnostic. They're anti-theists. So they don't, they have an agenda already. And this is why they, they jump from topic to topic because they know that you've already disproven them. Yeah. And I, I think that, I mean, I think that's why it's extra hard to, you know, to like really share the gospel on the internet. Uh, besides just like, you know, having a massive like gospel seed spewer and just like getting it to as many ears as you can. Uh, because the people who th will probably want to hear that the most are never going to be on stage. Because um, if, if you come to a stage in a religious room, I, I mean, this one, we, we try to roll out the red carpet, be like, ask a question, no pressure. Um, so, I mean, you know, we, we really invite like questions. But I mean, most of the time, people, if they come onto a stage, they have their opinion made up, they have their mind made up. Um, and, and you just see that, even if they say they don't uh, talk to them to five minutes and, and you'll see that they usually do. So I think that's extra difficult and, you know, can be discouraging on one hand because it's like these people already have their counter apologetics. They clearly have a bone to grind with, you know, Christianity or they have a stance that they, they want to, you know, get people out of their faith to get like stars in their crown of Satan or something. Um, even though they say they also don't believe him. Welcome back, Michael. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I think on the other hand though, there's no way to like quantify this. But I think there are a lot of sincere people and those will be the ones like listening who you probably never hear from. So, I mean, again, like, you know, be kind, be polite as much as we can, live at peace with all people and, you know, be gentle and respectful um, to not like dissuade people who thinks, wow, they're a bunch of jerk Christians. Um, not to say like let herself get yelled at and ran over. Like, you know, I mean, we got to do what we got to do, like mute people, block people, kick people, whatever. Um, but I mean, really, yeah. Hopefully it will like, you know, fall on ears that um, that do care and do listen and are sincere. Um, but we may never know it because I, I don't I, mean, I don't think there's a lot of thank you letters going out. Um, but, you know, that's the hope. That's our job. Right. It's just to share. It's not to compel or convince or force anyone to do anything. It's just to share them and say, hey, here's the better way. Here's the only way. And then do what you will. Yeah, I think like. I'm always looking at people that I want to emulate, like, you know, and one of those, and I don't think he's here right now, but Dr. Bowen, right? Dr. Bowen, any room that he's in is probably the smartest person in the room and the most educated, uh, particularly on these topics. And if you see the way he approaches, he probably has 9,000 arguments against anything we're saying at any given time running through our head and he, or running through his head. And he comes up with humility and asks a question out of sincerity, listens to the whole answer and then gives a response. And it's like, that's how, that is a very, like, that's a person who is earnestly interested in truth. And it becomes very hard when you identify that someone is not. So yeah, get, getting, getting to that point where you're standing on the same ground with somebody who's not interested in truth is really difficult. And it's a delicate balance between 
completely dismissing them and not throwing your pearls before swine and kicking the dust from your feet versus praying that something you say might get through to them. You know, I, I haven't figured out that balance at all. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting on the, on the flip side to that, like, like that, like those kind of reasons on the other side of the coin are precisely why I don't engage with presuppositional apologists, right? Because nothing I say is going to make any And so, you know, like, again, in, in the reverse, you know, I, I, I kick that dust off really quickly. And, you know, and I, I'm often at my least charitable when I'm dealing with someone like that. Uh, and, like, my common response is, when you've started with your conclusion, congratulations. Like, nothing I say is going to matter anyway, um, except I break up congratulations and add a, um, add a, uh, a word in there. Um, so, listen, I'm not even going to bother talking to you. Like, there's no sense in talking to you. And so, in the, in the same way, and so, I, Steph, I, I, appreciate your, I appreciate that perspective, right? Like, if you can identify that someone is a bad faith agent, and I look at presuppositional apologists as bad faith agents, um, then it's like, what's the point? Have a nice day. You, you know, you can flap your gums. I'm not engaged. Yeah. And, and so I, I, res, I respect that. Like when you, when you hit the point, when you're like, look, this, this conversation is going nowhere. So I'm peacing out. I think yes. the only difference is that when in Christianity, it's like, who was it? The, who's that really awful, uh, shock jock on the radio oh my gosh he's got curly hair Come on. Howard, Stern. Howard Stern that's the one Howard Stern said the thing where he doesn't mind street evangelists because he said if you actually believe someone is about to get hit by a truck you would if you were a good person you would do anything in your power to save them and he's like that's what street evangelists do and when he said that it kind of blew my mind like this <laughs> this understanding of like yeah, so even when you run into the nastiest people, it's like, no, I, I genuinely, I understand that you hate me right now, but I genuinely believe you're about to get hit by a truck. So that added layer of complication is, is hard for me, where it's like, okay, if I, if I dismiss them or throw them off the stage or end the conversation, it's I don't feel responsible for them getting hit by the truck, but I do feel like I didn't do everything in my power to prevent it, and it just becomes... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe I should talk to my therapist about that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm constantly casting all my pearls. <laughs> well, no, but what's more interesting, so talk to him about Howard Stern still said. being shocking. Well, yeah, I, I don't think it's know. much uh, shock anymore. But but what's interesting about what you said, Steph, is that uh, you know it's like in in a situation like that, it's like there's a there's a difference between the person like like I would never look like there are many people like that are here on the stage like you know you know even. I say even Chris, that sounds terrible. But you know, like you know, uh, you know, like you, Nate, uh, uh, Chris, many people that I've come across, and I guess at this point I'd include you know D as well, as well as others like like Malik and Pastor Mark and Sam and all these other people, right? I would never put them in the same in the same boat as the person you you know Nate, you and I are thinking of right now, because you know because you know the motives are different and the motives are so evidently different. Like there's there's no way that that someone who's reasonable and this this will sound like incredulity but whatever there's no way that someone reasonable can look at someone like for example you Steph and someone like our friend who shall remain nameless and say yeah these are christians on par with one another no reasonable person's going to do that
I missed half that conversation. I'm just going to put that out there. My dogs are going crazy. There's a bunch of bears that are going through my backyard and my dogs are going nuts. But, um, Michael, I think I've talked to you before, right? Yeah, I don't know that we've had in-depth conversations, but yeah, I think we have engaged at least a couple times, yeah. And you're atheist? I am, yes. Okay, I'm pretty sure last time I talked to you, you're pretty chill, though. Always. I do my she best. Always I, I do yeah. my best. No, not always, Steph. There are, you, you can find clips of me on the internet losing my cool quite a bit. Eh, I don't know if I believe it. I've seen you lose your cool a little bit in here, and it was not. You're like, well, I'm about to be really uncharitable, and then you're like Canadian uncharitable, which is not. <laughs> <laughs> Canadians are overly nice. Well, I don't know about that. Most most of us. Most of us. Take their maple syrup for a couple of days and see how nice they are. Chris, don't watch yourself. You watch yourself, Chris. Hey, don't speak against the maple syrup, okay? Peace, everybody. And it has to be from northern Quebec, just for just for uh, for clarification. Sir. Does it taste more French? Si, senor. Or I should say, we, oui, monsieur. Peace. So, so what was the topic before Tippy rudely interrupted? Um. Well, let's see. You're here for the baptized nonsense, right? Or perhaps you weren't? I was not listening. Oh, okay. Consider yourself blessed. Um, <laughs> well, that's not something we wanted to entertain, entertain anyways. So let's see. <clears throat> I'm, uh, what were you talking about? Me dying. <clears throat> um, I think it was pretty much wrapped up, but we were talking about like the, you know, bad faith actors versus, you know, are they, are we really not giving them enough, uh, enough chance or, you know, is it an emotional thing that Steph needs to, like, you know, burp and feed? Um, or, yeah, it's kind of like just the, the conversations and how to have, like, real, like, sincere conversations instead of, like, when people, like, bring up an argument, immediately get countered and squashed. Okay, instead so, of acknowledging that, they just keep throwing, like, machine gunning other stuff at you. Yeah, I kind of like when people machine gun. And it's not because, especially when we're online, right, on these stages and... Uh, or whatever social media you have, right? You're having these discussions. My intent when I'm speaking to somebody is never to that person. It's for whoever's listening. That's what so, I say, Tippy. Yeah, because it's the people that are listening that are more of the truth seekers. The people that are on stage, they have an agenda. They know exactly where they're going to go with this conversation. They try to lead you places and then try to trip you up whenever you're being led that way. Like they already have their agenda and we, and most of us have already played this game over and over and we get these new people that come in and they're like, Oh, I got something, you know, let me show you where you're supposed to marry the person you rape according to the Bible. And you're like, um, <laughs> well, now I know you didn't actually read the Bible because in the same chapter, it says that rape is punishable by death. Yeah. You're like my spirit animal right now. Like, I, I mean, I totally, I, I totally get that. I mean, you know, I mean, well, I mean, we'll talk to the people asking a question to a point, but I mean, yeah, really, that's why, like, you know, some people are like, I think you're trolling. I don't think you're sincere when they're like, why is your God mean? Why is your God doesn't exist? Like, I don't think you're sincere. It's like, of course, they're not sincere. They hate you. They hate God while saying he doesn't exist. Like, of course, they're not sincere. Do you not know that? Um, but I'm like, 
like, well, why are you talking to him then? I'm like, well, because even though you think it's a, a bad, disingenuous question and it's, you know, laughable or terrible or whatever, like surely somebody listening is sincere and would be like, well, come on, Christians. I'd, I'd actually like to know the answer to that question. So I'm like, we're doing it for their benefit because, you know, I mean, I, I send this thing out to the Internet. So someone is going to hear this and, and think, well, if the Christian is just like, you're not sincere, get out of here. I rebuke you, Satan. It's like, well, okay, you guys, why don't you just answer the question? So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's good to keep in mind the benefit of other people. Um, yeah, so I agree with that. What say you, CEO? Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I also have a, a quick question for Chris, if it's okay to jump in. This is it about a book? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> oh wait, hang on. Does anyone else have anything on that real fast? Uh, any, any of the for the other people's benefits or whatnot? Um, yeah, no, I think it could be. So, um, so I asked Johnny Haas yesterday, Chris, because uh, something Johnny said. I said, Is, uh, "Do do stubborn Christians lean towards Calvinism?" And he was like, "Yeah, I think so." So, in other words, if you have a personal characteristic of being stubborn, are you more likely to like Calvinism? Thoughts, Chris? You cut I out. think I think as evidenced by um, Steph's slow march toward um, the doctrines. This of is grace. a lie. Uh, yeah. This is a I lie. I think that uh, I think that plays out really well. Yeah, the more stubborn you are, absolutely not. Um, yeah, I'm grabbing my popcorn. Steph, it's going to be very, very entertaining when you're finally like, you know worked my way through it dang it but now i'm a calvinist i i'm Call waiting for that day it's going to be real and you know you know when i first you know met you and i started thinking this is a reasonable person who believes something that i <laughs> so let me look into it and i prayed and i said lord if this is something no i'm still repulsed the end also my grandfather would roll in his wesleyan grave if i became a calvinist no you know what's really interesting is if 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 I ever came back to faith, it, it, what I what would be really interesting would be to be in a room where I where I where I said this, and then to hear Chris just say, "Well, yeah, I was always going to be that way," and versus Steph, who I think would probably be jumping up and down saying, "Yeah, I'm so happy." And Chris would be like, "Meh, was always going to happen." Yep, I think, well, I'd, be a, I think I'd be a bit more special. excited. So sad, but Chris would be excited. Chris might start doing some cartwheels. Turning flips, might might even hit the little balance beam and just do a flip. I've been known to. <laughs> he might get Pentecostal on me. <laughs> he might even do a little dance. Hallelujah. Uh, we don't hear you. See you. You're chopping up. Well, anyway, it is my time to run. I'm not even going to ask, Steph. I'm not even going to ask. You're a runner. Oh, I knew sorry. it. Every time I, every I'm time here I for do. You, brother. 
every time I do, I'm like, well, it's that time. I got to go. I... And then Steph just pieces out before I can even, even be like, hey, you want to keep it going? So I, I don't even care. I'm not even going to try. I'm not going to let you. Say you want to stay. Say you listen, want to. It's you summer. Can't. The kids are home. I cannot. I love to stay, but I can't be watching. That's the hard part, you know? So then I'm a bad mom. <laughs> All right, everyone. I just want you to leave your mic open so we can just listen to your daughter. That's the most entertaining thing. You want to say hi? Say hi. Hi. Um, uh, that was pretty good. Yeah. Hey, hi, sweetheart. Uh, hello. Sound like you. Hope God's plucked you up from the sea, little one. Sound like she was <laughs> speaking in tongues. Yeah, I hope she does it better than most people on Clubhouse. (laughs) I gotta go. Cheers, everybody. Oh wait, I have a question for you, Chris. Chris, Chris, Chris. Um, Sure, sure, sure. Nate, do you have to go right now? I mean, go ahead. Okay, I have like Clubhouse drama question. There was a guy who came into Sister Cherry's room yesterday, and he was accused of being a hyper Calvinist. And (laughs) then they were wondering if he was sent by other Calvinists. And I'm wondering if you had anything to do with it. What was the dude's name? I had nothing to do with it. Oh my gosh, what was his name? He had uh, like a British accent and was very smart. Oh my god, I can't remember what his name was. Was it Sig? No. S-I-I-G? No. So it wasn't like one of the boys. Uh, Is Sig a Calvinist? Um, Shoot, does anyone who was there, do you remember what his name was? What? Was it Alexander? No. And his PTR was like a superhero. And he had a question about speaking in tongues. And then the room got offended that he had asked that question to them. And then they identified <laughs> Yeah, and then they identified that it was because they he was a Calvinist and they knew that he knew that they weren't. Oh my gosh, I can't remember this person who it was. Okay, well I guess you uh, yeah. were not. I mean I just don't consider Sister Cherry a Christian, so I don't bother with her. What? Oh, let, let yeah. me guess. Wait, is she is she gnar upon gnar by any chance? No. Um, she's she's just no. Terrible. I mean, does Chris think that? Oh, wait. She's just a terrible person. She's a, she's I, Baptist. Uh, in fact, she's Baptist. No, she's not a terrible person. Yeah. Don't say that. I don't no, know this she, person. She right? really, she really, truly is. A she really, person. truly isn't. She she's, no. And this is she's this got is a the, sweet. This actually, is testimony. You know, she's got a sweet disposition. This is a testimony of dozens of people on Clubhouse. This is not Steph, my snap decision, this. but Sister Cherry needs to repent in a very basic way, and it may be that she does need to actually become a Christian. Because uh, she hates more okay, people. Whoa, never, whoa, whoa. Okay, what, what so that? on that note, hang on, I'm going to, hang on, I'm just going to have to mute everyone. No, no, everyone. Okay, so I, I blame you for that, Steph. I, as always, I have no idea the person you guys are talking about in my room. So, um, anyways, go with Christ. Uh, you guys work out your issues, Chris, as the high prophet of Calvinism. And, um, yeah, so I don't know this person, but, Chris, I'm definitely enrolling you in uh, Rodney Howard Brown's free school of evangelism coming up in five days. Yes. So look for that, look for that email. Wait, and, as uh, a we'll, mod, we'll can I publicly not condone anything Chris just said just before you close this room? Yeah, and you just did. Okay. And I don't Thank know you. who this person is, so I have no idea. <laughs> all right. God, God I'll see you all later.